Good morning. <laughs> Did y'all hear that? Good morning. There it is. With the same enthusiasm as the kids. Thank you, kids. Thank you, Renessa. Thank you, Don, uh, for preparing that song for such a special day for us. We have a couple of announcements before we get started. Um, we will follow Greenville County Schools uh, for Sunday night programming both this Sunday and next Sunday. So we will not have children's programming uh, nor youth programming uh, tonight or next Sunday. We do have uh, an adult class, uh, as we always do, typically taught by um, Bob or Bobby uh, in the social hall. But for the next four weeks, it's going to be taught by Terry Arthur. And when you see Terry, if you go use the TV that uh, that class so faithfully bought for the class, or for the room, I want to say thank you for them. I want to say thank you for Terry for getting it up on the wall. Uh, it's going to be a great presentation tool for us uh, in the um, years to come. Uh, extravagant generosity. Um, I mentioned to you a couple of different times and we collected last Sunday. We will collect this Sunday. If you uh, absolutely can't help today but you want to help in the future, it it's, won't be too late. Advent United Methodist uh, on uh, Woodruff Road was rebuilding their sanctuary, redoing it and expanding because they're, um, they're growing at such a great rate and had a terrible fire um, that destroyed the building. They're going to have to start over and so um, we've been in encouraged to um, uh, give them an offering. So if you would like to participate in that, we encourage you uh, to do so. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we lost Miss Catherine Johnson this weekend. Um, the service will be tomorrow at 2 p.m. in the sanctuary. Um, there is a visitation before that from 1230 to 145 in the social hall. There'll be a service here at 2 and uh, then the family will travel um, privately to uh, Woodlawn uh, together. Uh, so 2 o'clock here in the sanctuary. And um, an announcement about our office. There's a simple or um, easy way to say this, really. Um, but we're going to change the position, Beth's position, uh, in our church. And we're going to be in transition for the next month as we do that. Um, it's uh, simply a critical position for us both now and in the future. And um, you'll hear more about that. As we're in transition, I'll just encourage you. Um, we're going into Holy Week. It's a busy week that's coming. It's a busy rest of the month that's coming. And um, while our children director, Aaron's surgery went well, um, she's out basically for this month. And um, we'll be without an administrative assistant for the remainder of this month. Um, so if you'll be patient with me as I get back to you as quickly as possible. If you see the bulletin, if you look at your bulletin, you see on the very front under the picture, there is a um, pastoral care emergency phone. I encourage you to use that all the time if you have a pastoral care emergency. It immediately goes to voicemail because that's the way it has to be. But I get a message about it in 30 seconds and get back to you as quickly as possible. But for the remainder of this month with any simple administrative task, I think that'd be the fastest way. Um, if you want to call and leave a message and I'll return your call as um, quickly as humanly possible. Uh, I believe that is all of our announcements for the week. Uh, so I'll have you stand as you're able and sing number 280 with us.
us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Our first scripture lesson is um, Psalm 118, verses 19 through 29. It's on pages 956 and 957 in your Pew Bible. Open for me the gates of righteousness. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks, for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. O Lord, save us. O Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God, and he may, has made his light shine upon us. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give you thanks. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Let us pray. Lord, be with us as we enter a week with so many emotions. The joy of a parade. The fear of someone coming into town. The joy of sharing a meal. The sadness of loss. The fear of death. The fear of an empty tomb. The overwhelming surprise. Walk with us and encourage us to pay attention throughout this week. That we can honor and glorify you through our reading of the text, through our singing of the songs, through our praying of the prayers that have been prayed, sung, and said for thousands of years in commemoration of this week. Still our hearts and minds this morning that we can hear your word for us this day. In your Son's holy name, who taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I'm going to call for the offering, but I'd like you to take a look for a second, if you haven't already, at our financial report. I've celebrated this a couple of times this spring. We continue to outpace the budget. It's a special thing. It doesn't happen very often. It has to do with your leadership trying their absolute best to keep everything as simple as possible while doing faithful ministry. It comes with adding people to the church family that are giving, and it comes from those who have been here for decades giving generously. I want to tell you something that we're doing in addition to this. We voted last weekend to spend $115,000 on our campus to improve the HVAC and the Family Life Center that could save us something between $15,000 and $20,000 a year in operating costs. We're going to put LED lighting all over our campus, which will use 25% of the electricity that our current lighting is using. We're not simply asking you to be generous and thanking you for it. We're also doing everything possible to make our church physical plant as beautiful and efficient as possible. And for that, I, don't, I just have to say thank you for all the work that everyone's put in for 20 years to make this happen and the group that's poured their heart into the last year to make it happen. I'm grateful for that and, um, and for you. Thank you. If you'd like to give online, you'll see instructions on how to do that in the bulletin.
I'm grateful that God invented the piano. And on. Please be seated. We're going to look at our gospel lesson today, Matthew 21, verse 1. And I think many of you have heard it many times this exact Sunday. I'd encourage you to hear it anew, hear different parts of it, um, hear how you can participate in it, the different uh, places, uh, different eyes that were on this parade and why it matters, uh, mattered then and why it mattered when they wrote it down and why it matters to us today. Matthew 21, starting with verse 1. Uh, it's on page 1531. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And I encourage you to keep it open if you'd like to read along. I feel confident saying that um, all of us have been to a parade. Correct? Anybody not been to a parade? Right. Christmas, Thanksgiving Parade, Veterans Day Parade, whatever it may be, Memorial Day Parade, there's been times when you took a chair and a uh, cold drink, there's been times when you were in the back of a pickup truck, there's been times when you were driving the pickup truck, there might have been times when you had an instrument in your hand or doing a pirouette in the middle of the street or singing or whatever it may be. I bet most of you have per even participated in a parade in one form or another. Uh, but have any of you ever seen a surprise parade? One that you didn't hear was coming for six months, or you didn't know came every year on this date. Anybody ever doing what you were doing and a parade popped up outside? Maybe if you work in a Manhattan office on the 42nd floor, maybe a parade comes along that you didn't know that was out of nowhere. But other than that, but I can give you an actual example in my time here in Greer. It was around 1.30, 1.45. I believe it was on a Thursday. And um, all of a sudden a parade popped up on a church turning on Main going towards 29. And it, I didn't know it at the time, but it was the uh, Greer Senior High Football Players Parade before their last game. And in an instant, I panicked and thought, they're going to cut off our main, tree, main street entrances and exits, and Erin has to leave to go pick up her children in Greenville. I went flying up to her office out of nowhere. She's still fairly new. And I said, i got to have your keys. i got to move your car. Out of nowhere, grabbed her keys, moved her car around to my house. Ran, grabbed the bus keys, tried to get to the bus to move the bus out so that everything would be out of the parking lot before they got by. And by the time I got back to the bus, it was over. <laughs> thing was like seven minutes long. <laughs> total, total rookie 
at the helm here, panicking, thinking we need to cover all of our entrances and exits. Next year, I'll know when this thing comes along, it's just fun, and it'll be about five to seven minutes. And just to go out in the yard and wave. But the reason I bring that up is you have a number of people in Jerusalem on the inside and on the middle and on the edges and coming into town who might not know that there was going to be a parade on this road. And it's out of nowhere. And what is it? And what does it mean to us? The parade I'm talking about uh, in the scripture passage. This is, um, if you think about the busiest place you've ever been, if you think if you went to that place on the busiest day that they could possibly have, maybe trying to visit Boston on Boston Marathon Day, you're talking about a holy, holy event to which people aspire to be in that town on that day. Going all the way back to their days in Egypt when they begged to be released from slavery and the days of the Passover when, as the story goes, God passed over each home of the Israelites and they lived. And the homes that God did not pass over, there was death. There was such horrific death for the Egyptians to cause the Pharaoh to say, you can go. You can go. Led them to leaving, led them to wandering, led them to the promised land, led them to this time in which they are commemorating that act. A holy, holy time in a holy place. Yet, you ever try to go somewhere and it's a little busy? Are you you're on your best behavior when that happens? You ever, you ever um, on the same page as 91,000 people for three straight hours? But as soon as those three hours are over, you're kind of opponents of those people. And you get sort of upset with those people because they don't know what they're doing. You're talking about coming into a town, a small town, with lots and lots of people. And here's a parade that's popping up and we're trying to understand what it means. The first phrase I want you to notice in what I read was um, sent out two by two. There's a significance there. It happens in the Old Testament and it happens in the Gospels as well where Jesus will send out people two by two. Especially when they're going on a very significant task. And the importance of that is about halfway back in this story. Peter had a really great day. Lots of people were wondering out loud and asking Jesus directly, who are you and what is your story? They didn't know what he was. If he was a magician, if he was someone significant who was reincarnated, if he was a prophet, if he was just a crazy man. And when the disciples approached him with that and he said, well, who do you, who do you say I am? You've been with me for a while now. And Peter said, you're the Messiah. You're the king. You're, you're our savior. You are sent from God to be here with us to declare this word to the people. Now, I didn't, get, I didn't raise my hand very often in class. It was based on a number of different factors. Um, but I didn't raise my hand very often. But if I did, and if I had the right answer, that's a pretty good feeling. And that's exactly what Peter had. And in that exact moment, Jesus said to Peter, You're right. And for that reason, we can't stay up here. We can't stay in beautiful Galilee. We can't be in these mountains. We can't be around this water. We've had a little hassle here, but we're going to have to go to Jerusalem where there's going to be serious trouble. Because they don't want me here. They don't want me on earth. They don't want me in Galilee. 
but they don't especially don't want me in Jerusalem. But as the Messiah, as the one who has come here to declare this, we've got to go. And what do you think Peter said to him? I don't want to do that. In fact, he describes him sort of yanking him to the side and saying, you shouldn't say that. You're scaring them. Which, of course, was scaring Peter as well. In that moment, Jesus was predicting this moment where they would go into Jerusalem. And so, he sends two by two. And the significance of that is, um, you ever want to tell somebody something? When you're deeply concerned? You ever wish someone else was doing this thing that you're about to do? You ever wish you had a um, partner in work or in church or in relationship that said, I'm in this just like you are? It's significant. And when you figure your weaknesses are your sum total of what you can offer this planet and you don't like them, and another person sees in you, hmm, no, you're crazy. You contribute a ton to whatever situation this is. Then you'll know why you're sent out two by two. To encourage one another, to embolden one another. And when they're sent out to essentially take something from someone, to ask for it, you have to think that's a strange notion, something that people would be unwilling to do. You know those... Um, detective movies that my dad falls asleep to in his chair where someone steals a car and they're tearing off from a site and a detective who's undercover has got the blazer and the or the whatever and he jumps in front of a car and he's got the badge and he says I'm going to need to take your car and then you know that person got to get out and then they tear off he says I'm, I'm going to need a thing that's real critical to you without any warning your animals I would want a friend there with me if I had to ask somebody that. And the second important phrase in that is this took place. Over and over and over again in the Gospels, the authors say this took place in order to fulfill. You know how that matters? Well, first of all, for the reader, the first readers of this text, a good 60, 70, 80 years after this event happened. See, we, I can look up right now what's happening in the world right now. Anytime I want, I can do that. But these people, it was not written down for 50, 60, 70 years. You remember something that was 60 years ago? That's tough, isn't it? So the authors who wrote down this story 60 years later were telling people who heard about this story and thought, man, that ended terribly. There's no way that was right. There's no way he was a savior. There's no way he was meant to be here. He's saying this took place in order to fulfill what prophets said about one who was coming. People who were faithful readers of this part of the Bible when this part didn't exist. And who were wondering if Jesus was who he said he was. Here, time and time again, this took place to fulfill what you read here. What you've been saying for so many years. The interesting question is, if those who immediately read it, bought it. That's a question we've got to ask ourselves too. Verse 6. 
And I turned away from the page showing you that thing. <laughs> oh. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on, cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds, those that went ahead of him and those that followed, shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So, when you say that Son of David phrase, you're saying something really, really powerful and really, really inflammatory. See, there's um, pockets of power in Jerusalem. And it, here, I'll, let's, do, let's do it visually. You got the people who are simply there, simply at the parade, who are on the level as Jesus is going by, wondering what this thing is, or potentially participating. Then you got the people, the Sanhedrin, the religious authorities, who are on the temple wall, who are looking down on this. What do you think they think? Here comes someone who has mocked nearly every tradition we have, who hasn't taken our practices seriously, who has healed people on the Sabbath. Yeah, it's great to heal people, but you shouldn't do that on the Sabbath. It was fine when he was up there. We didn't like it. But here he comes to our town. And in this town, which can be quite volatile, are Roman soldiers and Roman authorities who right now, we have a delicate balance. We give them almost all of our income and we don't cause any trouble and then we can worship the way that we want to worship without them destroying all of us. They're watching. People who are watching them are Roman soldiers looking down on them. If you look up the second temple, you just Google an image and look up images, second temple, there's the Antonia Fortress. It's a fortress that's higher than all of them, looking down on all of them so they can keep an eye and make sure they're doing what they're supposed to do. So they're looking down on the Sanhedrin who's looking down on the people who are looking at Jesus. And when you're in charge, when you're the king, or you're the Pharaoh, or you're the Caesar, and a group of people says, here comes the king. What do you think that does? That's kind of unsettling, isn't it? When they say he's the son of David, you're talking about one of the great poets of all time. You're talking about one of the great warriors of all time. You talk about two things that people admire more than just about anything, and this guy can do both of them and has conquered nations both as a kid and as an adult. They said, here he comes, the son of David, coming into town to make sure everything gets set the way it's supposed to be. And then you have uh, dynamite, and then you have a fuse, and then you have a spark. It's a frightening situation, I think, for every single person involved. 
It'd be frightening for Jesus to come into town. It'd be frightening for people who think that everything, it's busy enough, but this is about to be crazy. It'd be frightening for his disciples knowing what he said about Jerusalem. It'd be frightening for the religious leadership who want it to be normal. It wouldn't be so much frightening for the Roman soldiers. It's kind of annoying that we've got this thing going now. Verse 10. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So bookends of concern. Y'all remember when Jesus was born? What did it say about Herod? It said he was concerned and all of Jerusalem with him. Think Jerusalem loved Herod. <laughs> How do y'all do loving political leaders all the time? We struggle, don't we? It, you ever get a unanimous, this is the way we feel? This is all of Jerusalem with him. The significance again being something's going to get stirred up here. These three wise men have come from another nation and declaring this person a king. And now, it says, uh, the crowd, uh, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The adult Jesus is stirring things up and making it crazy as well. So let's put our um, feet in those in every participant and ask what are their concerns. Because if we place ourselves in every position there, then we can understand the true human condition. Are there times when we are annoyed that Jesus wants to do something outside of the thing that we normally want to do? Mm -hmm. Are there times when we're called to do something that is beyond our skill set, beyond our faith even sometimes, beyond what we think we are capable of doing? Yes. Are there times when we think everything is settled and something in the church happens and we think, can everything just be settled and just finish it? Yep. Are there times when we perceive that we're in con control and that the words of Jesus threats that threatens that very control? Yep. So in every place there, we can't just watch that story and say, you know, if we'd been there, we'd probably been waving palm branches and then we would have been deeply upset at the cross and said something. Or if I were in total power, I probably would have let Jesus in and said, you know what, you're right. This is insane what we're doing. We should be following you. Or if you've watched injustice or heard injustice or read about injustice and you've just said, well, you know, it doesn't necessarily affect me and things are going pretty well for me and if y'all could, mm, could just keep things normal, then you can understand those people in Jerusalem as well. The only one that we can't truly understand is being Jesus going into that place. Being one who had ultimate power to do anything to anyone. Relinquishing all that power and riding that tiny animal into a vicious town where he knew that his enemies would be waiting on him and submitting himself to humanity 
to set the standard for sacrifice, there's only one person that can understand that. And so what do we have to do? We have to simply offer gratitude. We have to offer our gratitude for a person, a human being who was divine, who was willing to do that for us. We have to offer our attention this week as we read the text of um, today, Palm Sunday, as we read the text on Monday, Thursday in our service uh, on Thursday night, as you look at the text on Good Friday, as we read the text on Easter morning, we have to pledge our attention. We're willing to pay attention and see where we fall short because of what you were willing to do for us. So all this took place that humanity would know that God's ultimate pursuit is sacrifice, inclusion, and love in the face of horrific opposition. Let us this week offer our attention our gratitude and our desire to go out two by two to declare this message. In God's holy name we pray. Amen. If you'll stand as you're able and join us in our final hymn number 664.
If you will please tell your friends, we'll send an email to make sure, but if you'll tell your friends, Miss Catherine's services tomorrow at 2 p.m. here in the sanctuary with the visitation before that at 12.30 in the social hall. We have a Monday Thursday service this Thursday at 7 p.m. It's a, um, a fascinating service. It's uh, critical to the life of Holy Week, and I encourage you to come. And, um, of course, Easter Sunday is a week from Sunday. Uh, go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.